Thanks for dropping into the Airdrop Show. This show is for artists and creatives looking to learn how to use NFTs to grow their creative careers. My name is Caleb. On the internet, I go by phosphorus.btc. My buddy Rawion and I started this show because we wanted to learn how to use NFTs. We wanted to ask all the dumb questions so we could quote unquote learn out loud how NFTs work. And that includes learning what the term NFT even stood for. Yes, of course, we know it stands for non-fungible token, but that only makes sense if you know what the word fungible means. <laughs> this episode is the best of our season one. This season was all about learning, and that meant we started every single episode with the question, what is an NFT? Could you explain it in the most simple language possible? We wanted to hear what every different person had to say as they described what this new technology was. And with the hope that the more that we heard, the more we would be able to understand and figure this out so we can obviously relay the information back to you and we can all figure this out together. But first, let's drop in with Plutus from Byzantian. Byzantian is a universal marketplace for NFTs, and he's going to describe what fungible is. There are non-fungible tokens and there are fungible tokens. Fungible tokens are Bitcoin and Ethereum, and those are completely interchangeable. If you have a Bitcoin and I have a Bitcoin, we can trade each other and we don't care, you know, that we traded because they're the, they're the same. Um, non-fungible tokens can be similar, but each one is unique in one way or another. And so they're not completely interchangeable. And you may not, um, when if you trade someone for one, you know, for what they have, even if it's similar, it's not going to be exactly the same. So it's a way to have kind of distinct collectible items um, that are defined uh, via a smart contract. So the smart contract is the special piece of all of this that makes everything work. And all a smart contract is, is it's a special code that tells us where items are, who owns it, and what we can do with it. Tom Bilyeu calls this part like the secret matrix code behind all the images. We need to jump in with Mark and Mr. Zeon from Megapont. Megapont is a PFP collection and a club for NFT enthusiasts. PFP just stands for profile picture. So it's one of those things you use on the internet as your digital identity um, to recognize and showcase and social signal that you're part of this club. They're all just a bunch of pixelated apes. It's really cool to watch and see. And Megapond is also really focused on building tools for this space to help creators launch projects. And here's what they had to say when we asked them the question, what is an NFT? I, I mean, I could give it a go, but I have a six-year-old who, uh, who asks me, what are these apes? What are these things? Um, and I <laughs> don't think I could articulate it very well to her. Um, so speaking maybe a little bit more advanced, there's certainly two ways to think about NFTs. Um, one of them is at the pure technology layer. And um, it's sometimes hard for, for folks who aren't crypto native or don't understand how a blockchain works to fully understand why there's this cultural um, significance around NFTs. And throughout history, we've really had a hard time verifying that scarce assets are legitimate or and the um, you know the provenance chain of those. Um, you, know, you can think to like diamonds and gold for, for an obvious example. Um, and NFTs kind of solve that, right? It's um, verifiable, um, the, the verifiable transfer of, of assets on, on the blockchain. Um, 
and it's really not just NFTs. I guess you could say NFTs are a nice wrapper around artists being able to finally make a living um, doing the work that they love. Um, so that would be my succinct overview of of kind of what NFTs are. But I think there's a wider cultural sort of answer to this, where I think they are, um, I think they are a, a collective tool for community building. And a, and a very powerful one, which I'm sure we'll sort of discuss the benefits of uh, later down in the show. I'm not sure what Mr. Zeon thinks and whether he has different different opinion on that. And he also might be able to describe it in a way that's a bit more primary than that. Gotcha. Yeah, and, and, and I think about it, I have kids that are not far off, a little bit older than fourth graders, but um, ultimately for me, it's, it's, it's easier to explain it in relationship to what they would be used to in terms of gaming, right? So... So, you know, my son in particular uh, plays a lot of Roblox. Uh, and, you know, in Roblox, if you're, if you're not familiar with it, uh, there's a lot of purchases that happen in Roblox. Um, uh, a lot of purchases, I can tell you that firsthand, because <laughs> I'm funding a lot of those purchases. Um, but he's very used to buying um, access to, to, to games and, and avatars and skins and all these types of things. And when you think about maybe the broader gaming space, things like Fortnite, Call of Duty, depending on ages, you know, you start getting into something that I think is an easier way to talk about uh, the similarity between NFTs and in-game purchases. Now, that there is a gap in terms of the technological part that Mark was talking about, but ultimately, I think the easier way of explaining it is: imagine if you had uh, a skin in Roblox or Fortnite that only a certain number of people could ever own, and it became rare. And instead of you um, spending your money and never getting it back, which is really what happens in the case of something like Roblox, imagine if that skin became more valuable because no one else could buy it and that you could sell that and, and go and spend money on more skins or go buy yourself some sweets at the shop, right? So, so for me, that relationship with games, gaming and skins and so on is a really important one. I also think, just to kind of broaden that, it's one of the things that excites me about the future of NFTs, if I think about that side, because you know we've got a bunch of kids that are very much used to buying uh, or purchasing through games mm-hmm. uh, assets like skins and so on and so forth. You know that wasn't necessarily the case for for perhaps some of us when when we were their age, and so growing up, you know maybe not crypto native, but certainly understanding that you know that these things these virtual assets uh you know cost money is going to be really interesting when they are in their 20s right so so that's how that's how i would explain it is you know is is a roblox skin or a fortnite skin or whatever it might be i think that's the easiest way in my mind to to convey that i think the um the game and sorry is easy to tell especially to folks in the crypto world because there's kind of that idea that ethereum vitalik started it because uh world of warcraft changed some of the stats on one of his warlock items i think i think it was a warlock item um and he said you know they shouldn't be able to do this it's quite interesting right that that, that was his view um i think he, he recently debunked that that was the reason he started ethereum but you know he he kind of admitted that he was really mad that uh, blizzard had changed his warcraft item and i think um one of the the ways that i like to describe it especially to, to gamers is that um, imagine when you're purchasing these super rare items or you're being awarded with them uh, in-game for for completing a raid or finishing a dungeon or whatever it is, that you can one day not only sell those um, to other players, 
um, when you perhaps have finished playing the game, but you can take them away from the game and you can use them maybe in other games. And I think um, NFTs enable you to do that. And to, to go off on a little bit of a tangent, these airdrops that we're seeing are really um, other projects utilizing um, that sort of that Web3 and NFT layer to um, to build a product around something that's already happened. So you can imagine if you were a gaming company starting now, you could look at what, um, say, World of Warcraft were doing with all of their NFTs and say, I'm just going to build mine on top of it. You know, if you want to bring your NFTs to my game, you can do that. You can use them in there. Um, and that's a really exciting prospect, um, in my opinion. There's two big things I want you to hear out of that. There's scarcity and the provenance. So everything on the internet, you could right-click, save any image, right? You put it on Instagram, you can just screenshot it and it's yours. You can print it and put it on the wall. You could do that. Of course you could. But the artist isn't getting paid, right? We're just stealing from all of our artists. They're not seeing any retribution. Sure, they're getting quote-unquote exposure. But again, artists can't eat off exposure. And if you're a creative, you know this. What NFTs do, and they provide digital scarcity, something we've never had on the internet before, which means, yes, of course, we could right-click, save, and we could put it on the wall, but then it's not real. And now we have a difference between real and fake. The real one is secured to an address in an IPFS in the interplanetary file system. Now it gets weird, I know. But this means it's on the blockchain and we can recognize who owns it and if it's real. This means we have provenance. Provenance is an art term, meaning we can trace back to the origin of where something started. That means we can even trace the owners of things because it's on the blockchain. The blockchain is public. It's an open ledger. We can see how things move. That's a huge unlock for creatives and collectors alike, as we can see how things go up and down and how the price moves. And who knows if this goes on in a hundred years, how your early work can now be priced more than your other work. And, and, and it's just a whole other big unlock that we've never had before on the internet. We are breaking new ground right here. Next, we have Bruffstar or Brian from Satoshables. Yeah, it's one of my favorite questions to answer at the moment, actually, because <laughs> it's a difficult one to explain to people who have no crypto knowledge. And then everyone has their own take as well in the crypto space. But I kind of, in my mind, similar to how people ask the question of like, what is the internet back in the 90s? And because it's such a new technology, people were trying to get onboarded on this technology. They're asking, what, what can I do with this thing? And I think it boils down to what's the core use case of it. And in the case of the internet, the core use case was obviously a really efficient way of communicating anywhere in the world. And then when you look at NFT, it's a new, brand new technology people are trying to onboard to it. And if you answer the question of what it is boiled down to, it's ownership. So it's a way of proving digital ownership much more efficiently than, than the standard ways you do right now in the physical world. So yeah, it's all about ownership. And with that comes obviously the many different use cases, especially when it comes to things like digital art, which has been the most popular aspect of NFTs at the minute. A way of artists actually proving that they own a piece of artwork is, is a huge deal. Yeah, I just saw a tweet the other day. I'm kind of looking for it right now. But it was saying how in 1996, the same percentage of people that had email addresses is approximately the same as now as people that have like .btc or .eth. We're still in that growing section of people that have internet access to this at one point in time, as we did in 1996. I think you nailed it on the head. What the internet did for communication, NFT technology will be doing for ownership. Absolutely. All right. The big takeaway here is we can now own things on the internet, something we've never, ever had before. As long as we've had the internet, everything has been free communication back and forth, right? It was, we are living in the information age. Everything's accessible. Now we can own things on the internet. And fundamentally, that's going to change how we use it. 
Next, we have Jamil from Gamma.io. Gamma is also an NFT marketplace on Stacks that is focused on helping creators launch their NFTs and making it as simple as possible. So here's what Jamil has to say. I think you asked me this in, in the panel at Bitcoin Unleashed. And I don't think my answer has changed. I think there's so many directions you can go with this answer. And the reason is that NFTs can represent anything. NFTs are digital ownership. They are the way that you own things on the internet. And what that means is not up to us. It's not up to the marketplaces. It's up to you. It could mean art. It could mean your membership. It could mean your community. It can mean even ownership over over physical items like this coffee mug. Right? So I think a question like that, you can always box in. You can always go one angle or the other. But I think the beauty of it is that it just represents something that you own on the internet. And if that answer is too vague, that just shows the beauty of of what NFTs can be. So why would somebody want to own something on the internet? Yeah, so I think that's a really good question. I think when I own something in in the physical world, I'm very used to having like possession over it. In fact, in order for you to take away this pen from me, you have to like physically grab it from my hands. But we're so used to on the internet, actually, that's not the way we operate. If you have a game on Steam, all someone needs to do is the some developer at Steam can go in and delete a row in a database and suddenly you don't own that game anymore. Or if I have a subscription on Netflix or I have an account on Twitter, some employee on Twitter can go and say you're banned or can say your subscription is canceled. Like if you bought furniture from Ikea and suddenly at any point in time, Ikea could say that bed's not yours anymore and then like vanish it away and it disappears. That's kind of scary, right? We're, we're used to owning things and feeling comfortable with owning things in the physical world, but we simply haven't had that capability to really, really on a personal and fundamental level, own things in the digital world. And and that's the big difference. An NFT is just a file associated with a smart contract. That means it could be anything. It could be a membership pass, things you own in games. It could be fine art pieces, JPEGs, GIFs, movies, music. Anything we want. It could be access to real life experiences or stuff in only digital experiences. It could be a pass. It could be lots of different things. So what does this tech mean for artists, for storytellers, for people like you and me? Well, we wanted to talk to Levi, who is an adventure photographer. As he started getting into the space, he started talking with his photography buddies and his creator friends and his rock climbing friends. They were like, what are you doing? Aren't NFTs a scam? What's going on? So this is what he said when we asked him the question, what is an NFT? What I'm describing an NFT to someone who's brand new is it is a digital media asset that we have assigned a monetary value to that is traded and sold online. Super simple, basic terms. It's just something that lives online that we can assign a value to that people either buy or trade. I think that was the most concise answer we've ever gotten from, from anyone. I've had to explain this to a lot of people who are much older than I am. And that's the most effective way that I have found so far. What do they say to you when you say that? Well, you know, it's easier for a photographer to relate to these things. And those are the people that I'm really talking to about this because we live in a world of fine art sales, right? And so I can approach somebody and say, this is like a Sotheby sale. This is like a fine print auction. We're just changing the medium. We're just moving from a physical, tangible print to a digital one. And so they understand that premise. They understand that we're just moving a sale from a physical sale to a digital sale because all of those things are, they're also 
non-fungible, right? Print is, you know, it's worth what somebody is willing to pay for it. And that's all an NFT is as well. I'm assigning it a value and you as the market can decide whether or not you think it's worth that. One of the big unlocks for creators is the smart contract layer. For so long, when I buy something from an artist, I can resell it and I get that. But the artist doesn't get any of that revenue, right? They have no idea if I sold it. But because of the digital aspect of this and the smart contract, we can now put into the smart contract a percentage. Every time I sell this item, the artist gets something in return. This is huge. This is a big unlock because now as things sell, the artist can continue to make revenue on top. So you can encourage people to keep keep trading it or keep selling it and buying it, or there's those who just hold. There's a lot of different things you can do, but uh, NFT can be a lot of different things. So let's hear from alexander.btc, who's a generative artist, which means he uses computer code to make art. As we asked him what an NFT is. Yeah, I love this question because we're, we're probably all doing it a little bit different. I would say that it's kind of like a file format more than anything. It can be a lot of different things. Oh. So to say an NFT is this, you know, I think is, is a bit too simple. I think it's a, a way of storing data. In this case, it's either on-chain data or, or pointers to off-chain data. In the context of art, which is sort of where I live right now, you know, when you go to like a, a local art fest, whatever neighborhood thing going on, there's local artists everywhere. And then the print of a piece of art might be 25 bucks, 50 bucks or whatever. And then the original is like $2,000. Like, oh my God. I see NFTs as that original in the world of digital art, right? So like you can right click and save and that's your print. And that, you know, it's worth you know maybe a little bit to somebody if you turn it into a physical thing. But the original signed version is going to be that NFT. It's kind of like you can have a picture of Starry Night, but that doesn't mean you own Starry Night. If you've ever been to a college dorm room, plenty of people have Starry Night up on the wall or, or, <laughs> yeah. or whatever else. For they're, some reason, it's always that I mean? painting. Yeah. yeah, right. It's always it's always that painting. That's what they sell. And like the, the, the little poster thing that shows up at the student union or whatever. It's kind of like that. So w- when I issue an NFT, I see that as like the original signed one verse like the the prints that that might exist or you know something like that for for an analogy i really like that that's that's really good it is always starry night why is that (laughs) it's so it's starry night or like a poster from pulp fiction oh yeah like but but there's like five of them that like you can predict and i I bet it maps to personality types too i bet we can come at it that way artists from all over the world are jumping in on this Eli Herf, or as we know him now, Brett, in his first episode, made this point that really opened my eyes to what was happening here. He said that artists from now all over the world are opening themselves up to bigger and bigger markets. So if you live in Indonesia and you're a digital artist, you can make an NFT and sell it to somebody in the US or Korea or South Africa. And if you live in the US, you can sell now your art to somebody in Japan or Europe or Brazil. Now... As an artist on the internet, your market is huge and you can sell to so many more people. And I think that's also a huge unlock. Your pool of people just got a lot wider. And because of the advent of this new technology, lots of avant-garde artists who've had success before and who are always kind of pushing the edges of tech and art are now jumping into this space. We talk with Jeremy Cower about his augmented reality block queens. And this is what he said when we asked him the question, what is an NFT? 
I'm not great at that, but I know it's a non-fungible token and, uh, you know, it's basically anything that is, uh, unique and one of a kind. Like if I were to make a, I, the way I explain it is this, if I were to make a piece of art and sign it and give it to you, you know, that that's authentic because it came from me. It has my signature and it's a one of one came from the artist. And so. The same goes on the blockchain. You know, it's a receipt that you have that you own that JPEG, even though anybody else can have it. It's a receipt that's attached on the blockchain, and it proves that you are the owner of that piece of art. Proof of ownership. This is what the blockchain does. This is what NFTs do. This is the big thing for both artists and collectors. We can now prove who owns what on the internet. And that is Huge. It's a certificate of authenticity. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's what Jess Greenwalt from Vayner3 is about to say. Vayner3 is Gary V's company that helps Fortune 500 companies leverage Web3 technology and how they're going to use it moving forward as the internet changes and evolves. Here's what she has to say. NFT, it's a certificate of authenticity. I like to compare it to any time you've purchased collectibles or sports memorabilia. And it comes with this cute little piece of paper that's usually designed up to look pretty fancy and have some sort of holographic sticker on it that says, we confirm that this is an authentic whatever, whatever it is. That's all that is. And you can attach that certificate to anything. Hmm. Yeah. So like if you bought an action figure in the 80s, and you took it out of the box, as long as you have that little piece of paper that says this is authentic, you're good to go. Well, so that's that's what's great about the technology we're using now is if you're a graphic designer such as myself, it's quite easy to forge such documents. Not that we mm. would ever do such a thing. You right, kind right. of like take an oath in graphic communication school that you won't do anything quite like that. But, but it's not exactly the greatest method of verifying the authenticity of something when it's in paper formats that's not really tied to anything that a someone from the general public could easily look up and say like, oh, I know for sure this is a real collectible or real piece of art or, you know, like from the actual artist. And now with NFTs, because we have this very public record that cannot be changed, you can see who that NFT originated from and all the owners that have held onto that asset until it got to you. See, and I think that's what sets this apart from other technologies is the ability to just look at the record. Mm -hmm. Where is it? Where has it been? So you can kind of verify. So it could be, I own something that Michael Jordan once owned and that makes the value of it go up or something, something along those lines. That, and I think that's what makes all of this technology so incredible, not just for the artist to be able to sell their work, but as a collector or somebody who is looking at certain things as, as to grow over time and value, you also have this 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 record of and chain on the blockchain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. My favorite answer from season one came from Willie Morris from Happy Goat Org. Happy Goat is a regenerative farm 
They're tucked away in the foothills of Central California, and they're focused on making a safe haven for artists as well as providing a way of showing how easy regenerative farming is. So they created these animated GIFs of these goats that kind of look like baseball cards as their Genesis collection to help get funding and start creating their community of artists and people who are interested in farming in a way that that gives back to the earth. So here's Willie Morris. Sure. NFT is uh, is actually a new farm tractor. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. So we have a couple of those out here at Happy Goat. What makes it new? What's the, what's the new tractor going? We actually just got an electric tractor, which is really rad. So we we aren't burning fossil fuels when we <laughs> when we when we're farming. But I think the cool. NFTs you're referring to would be the old non fungible tokens which is just a, a great way to convey ownership and provenance in a digital way. It's, it's just a, a digital record of ownership, essentially. Yeah, that's that's really great. It's so funny. NFT is not intuitive whatsoever. We can make up as many acronyms as we wanted with those letters put together. That was funny. I agree. It's the provenance. It's the easiest way for digital ownership that you know you own something. 100%. Yeah, it makes it real easy. Digital trading cards is like the easiest, I think, example, right? Or digital baseball cards. Yeah. And this is where I want to end. I want to end with Vandal from Project Indigo. Project Indigo, your NFT you're buying is a pixelized character in a post-apocalyptic wasteland world. And what Vandal is building along with his team is this interactive story and game, kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure kind of mixed with an RPG a little bit. There's, There's a lot going on in that they're building. And leveraging NFT technology was a way that he could jump in to the world of making games and stories and how it works for storytellers. And what he's going to say is really important. So here was listen in. Um, I want to end it. Yeah, right I here. see it as kind of like different levels, right? And different projects kind of use NFTs at different levels of, I guess, utility or different levels of complexity, right? So at, at the base level, I just would say it's a piece of art like that. You know, it can be owned. It can be kind of bought and sold. It doesn't have to be art, but it's typically attached to a piece of art, right? That's that's like a typical implementation. So you own it and you can buy it, sell it on marketplaces. And, you know, it, it may it may one day have value. And then kind of at, at another level, it's like a collectible, like a baseball card or something, right? So it's just kind of unique and it might have some rarity to it. And and that's that's kind of like another way of, of viewing uh, NFTs, at least for for many collections. And then like a character or an item, right? It could be like something that has some use. It could be a meaningful thing. Um, Maybe it's a a gun that you can use inside of a game, or it's like a character that has some purpose in a story. And that's kind of another, I guess, layer or level of complexity. And then I think at the top end, you you can view it as a key, right? And this gets back to what Tim was giving a, a physical example. I think that can also be a key to an ongoing kind of experience or even like a lifestyle or a brand. And that's where I think you see like the top, you know, kind of the most successful projects heading in that direction. And so I think what what is an NFT? I think there's many answers to that, but it's ultimately something that could act as as sort of a key to an experience. And I think that's what that's what excites us the most about them. Everyone's going to use NFTs differently. There are different ways to use all of this stuff. You're going to have membership passes. You're going to have in real life utility. You're going to have access to parties. You're going to have... Board Ape Yacht Clubs. You're going to have a lot of other different stuff. You're going to have fine art. You're going to have tickets. You're going to have lots of these different things. Um, but what it really is, this is the take home here. An NFT is a key to an experience. 
all good artists, all good brands, invite people into a story. That's what I'm doing to you right now. I'm inviting you into a story. What does it look like for you to use NFTs in your creative career as an artist? How can we unlock that next piece to take you on a journey? Everybody does this. Heck, Target does this. When you walk in the door and there's a Starbucks right there, there's that $1 section right there in the front that my wife always hits up right away. It's the, it's the introduction to an experience that you're taking. And that is what NFTs can do. That's just the beginning of this journey. And I want you to think about how could you use NFTs for your business? How could you use NFTs for your creative career, for your life, for your art? There's so many things that are about to be unlocked right now in this space. And we are so early. And I'm seeing it. I'm seeing creators jump in. Even as the market's going down, more and more creators are getting onboarded and are saying yes to this technology because it means that they can sell their work in a different way and connect with their collectors and their fans in a way that they've never been able to do before. And that, and that gets me really, really excited. So I hope now you understand what an NFT is. I hope you're starting to think about how you can use it, how you can grow, how you can figure all this stuff out. And yeah, if you like this episode, please rate us five stars. Please share it with a friend. Please subscribe. And I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for dropping in.